I got Blue Powerade, which is the podcasting uh, beverage of champions. Sponsorship, adding it to the sponsorship list. Um, plugging into the the beverage the beverage plugging section. We just expand the podcast by thirty minutes and just start talking about beverages as well as um, fast food options. <laughs> Flavors of Mountain Dew Corner. Anger sexual lust the sorts of things that you experience when you're playing a video game all these concepts originated with Karl Marx sexual lust no fun no fun this week uh, besides playing Diablo 4 which is about all I've done in my free time oh yeah how um how is it? Honestly, it's great. Like, if you like isometric action RPGs with blood and guts, like, it's fine. Like, it. Yeah. <laughs> they fixed Diablo 3. I didn't play any of it. I played 2 a lot. Um, yeah. For a couple of years in high school. 3, it kind of fell off my radar. Blizzard in general fell off my radar for a while, but until 4, um, it seems like they basically just took everything everything that they fixed about three and then made a real game out of all of the fixed stuff from diablo 3's launch um stories actually kind of interesting um mostly like but really what matters is that uh the 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 costumes are cool looking so i can be a cool looking guy um oh hell yeah yeah and hit people with a giant hammer as i'm known to known to do in video games i did play a bit of three um i don't know i'm i'm just bored of that kind of game Mm. i guess because it it feels like i guess it's because i don't care about the end game i've got no interest in like grinding for a better helmet Uh to make my numbers go up um i don't know is is just playing through the game um any more engaging i guess than it was in 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 previous games yeah i think so it's less repetitive it still has that like because you still feel in the story mode you still kind of feel the end game grind as this like you know you can feel the like sort of like the the pattern the pattern of the gameplay but like the you know it's got more the voice acting is good and it's got more cutscenes and like it has this like it is more satisfying the bosses are a little more varied it's challenging because of the way that they did tiers for the world so if you play on tier two um like we were my husband and i are playing it together and uh we were dying to bosses um that we were appropriately leveled for and it forced us to be strategic and stuff like that um Will this novelty wear off? I don't know, probably. Um, but at least it has this, like, it has life to it. Actually, feels like it. Ha- it's like a, I don't know. They built a cool place. I also like blood and guts. We all know this. So I'm a sucker. I'm a mark for the blood and guts um, of the world. But uh, I don't know. We don't. <laughs> we don't get to play a lot of games together. So maybe that's my favorite part. Ah. You know, what can I say? Most important question is Necromancer in the game at launch? Yes, because it wasn't in three. All right, so that's that's a real game at least. Yeah, best class. That's fine. You can make all your friends. You can have friends by by raising corpses from the dead. 
Um, I need to. That's the only way I can do that. So it's important. That's to me. why I'm into all this weird horror stuff, um, as well as Christianity, um, because you can bring your buddies back from the dead, theoretically. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> um, like, you know, my best buddy, Jesus Christ. Lazarus. Famously. Yeah. Uh, was a necromancer. <laughs> La- yeah. Lazarus is an honorary host of Agab, the historical Lazarus. And our main source of funding, that's the Lord. <laughs> Not to be confused with the church. Um, no. We've been right, um, rightfully condemned um, by the Christian church at large for uh, yeah. playing video games. Yeah, um, they were right about the whole satanic panic. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons, but that clearly should not be happening. Um, yeah, they were right. We need to go back to that. We need to go back to freaking out about that everyone's doing like occult rituals when they're making like <laughs> a, you know, a elf fighter hit a goblin with a stick. Trying to romance um a gnome maiden that's uh that's actually the devil's work yeah the devil would absolutely <laughs> romance a gnome maiden i think that's fair to say mm-hmm. i got a couple of topics before we get into our main the main meat of the day um and because this is a very professional operation uh, i've run none of them by you so <laughs> let me know <laughs> how you feel about these it's a surprise so, um, have you been following the drama, drama uh, alert, drama segment um, about the Aztec video game? No. That. Okay. Um, well, so a game was announced a little while ago, and it it, it looks like shit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just like a, a sort of a low budget attempt at like a third person action game, but you play as an Aztec warrior and you're fighting Spanish conquistadors. That's that's the. That's the premise. Okay. Um, so like fascists got really mad, I guess, um, because, you know, why can't you be the Spanish? That's racist to not let me do racism. Oh, you can in all the other games about this time and place. Um, yeah. And it was just this like outrage out of nothing kind of, and you know, the right, they just sometimes get their teeth into something when it's a slow week. And decide to make a scene about, I don't know, like a Disney movie or or whatever. Mm -hmm. Freak out about Star Wars. Um, And recently, the developers announced that they were going to basically buckle to these people and make it so you could play the Spanish also. Um, Which, one, is like bizarre and pathetic, uh, but also feels like an amount of work way outside what this small developer could actually do. So I don't know what that even is. But this forced non-issue drama led to a lot of people having epic hot takes on, like, Aztec society that I found really funny. (laughs) Like, people have been talking about them like they're, like, a problematic celebrity. Like, you know, they sacrificed human beings. (laughs) Um, And I just just think that's Um, how we should engage with history. Not a good look. Not a good look. That it's yikes. Um, it, it's yikes that they did this. Um, tagging Quetzalcoatl. Um, <laughs> everyone's brains have been permanently broken by the. Um, 
It's true. <laughs> it's so fucking weird seeing people talk about like uh-huh. historical civilizations in this way. Um, but I mean, people do it about like um, like past socialist projects. People do it. Like people talk about the Soviet Union using like fandom. This person was racist about my favorite pony, uh, my favorite My Little Pony type language. Um, and they're doing it about like colonized, not really existent anymore civilizations. You know, there's people, you know, descended from them, but there's no Aztec empire. Um, and that's, that's cool. Um, I just wanted to come out as pro, uh, human sacrifice. Yeah. Real um, quick on the pod. Um, try think, have you Google ritual warfare and then come back in my mentions. Um, (laughs) That God, that's so fucking funny. Yeah, I'm pro ritual warfare and pro human sacrifice as a practice. I think that um, we should use the Aztec calendar, um, offer it as an alternative to the um, fascist imperialist uh, Roman calendar. Um, Absolutely. Uncritical support uh, (laughs) for the... uh, um, God, that's funny. Yeah, the the um weird social justice parlance of the internet is going to permanently destroy. Every, it's permanently destroyed conservatives' brains too. They all talk in the exact same way. Um. Oh yeah. God, there is this. What was I? It was. Oh God, what was it? It was all the same anti woke mush. All like it was from like the Daily Wire or something like that, where they were interviewing. Uh, I can't remember. And he's a he's a he's a conservative NBA player launching a business. I think he was. I think that's the video that I was watching. And it is it is completely indiscernible from the exact from the stuff that comes from like the like the center left media sphere, um, your Vox dot coms or whatever. You know, people people talk about they talk about the right as if they they've like won this great degree of cultural influence on the internet because people they use a lot of their like terminology like people say based uh-huh. kind of ironically um but i think the one who has had the most influence is like weirdos on tumblr who will send you death threats for weeks on end if you have a like a a bad opinion about doctor who or something yeah. like it's them yeah everyone uses their language everyone from communists to fucking nazis and everything in between they use their language um and it's so embarrassing. And when I see somebody over the age of like 20 doing it, I just I wish I could help them or put them out of their misery. One of the two, you know, whichever's more feasible. Yeah, your toenails curl in when uh, we are we are all giant babies. Yeah. Right. Who we have no sense of permanence. We have no coherence in the like it's all just posting as, as we're known to say. On this show, it's all posting. It's just, it's just, it's just posting, um, and it's getting more interesting now that it's affecting. I find this like I think I found the Aztec game in question, and yeah, this looks like dog shit. Yeah, like the game itself, I've I've got no interest in. It was just fascinating that so for some reason this just yeah they were became slow the topic of the day. Slow news week. You're right. Yeah, totally. And it's it's super weird. It's. I, I think that um, the issue of, of um, Aztec human sacrifice, or not unique to them, but um, 
in the region at this time. Lots of people practice it. And uh, I think it's really interesting. Uh, and actually, I think it raises a, a, a cool ethical question because it was done to prevent the end of the world. And hypothetically, if you believe that, I think you could argue that it's it's ethically the right thing to do. And there's just no interest in, I think, that, that far more interesting conversation. Instead, it's like, they're problematic for doing this. Why, why wouldn't they simply know? Why wouldn't they simply have, like, enlightenment values? Like, a, a real person, I said, non-racistly. You know, like... <laughs> I've always said that... Um... You know, when, uh, that, that it's quite problematic when the Romans would, uh, throw someone off of the tallest thing that they could find. Um, is that not quaint? I know I'm like a, I'm like a fucked up horror guy or whatever, whatever, an internet goth of some sorts, if you will. But like, <laughs> is that not cyber goth? Yeah, exactly. Cyber goth. Is that not what, is that not kind of adorable in a way where they're just like, how do we punish this guy? How do we how do we do violence? How do we make sacrifices? Um, and the Europeans are like, I got it. <laughs> and they just take a guy and take him to the highest point that they can find and throw him off of it. I like to think that they thought very hard. Um, I know that these are practices that, you know, evolve over time, you know, ritualistic sacrifice and the violence of war intertwined mm -hmm. with one another um, from all kingdoms and all over the world. Um, that's, what's interesting about actually understanding history. But, um, I do like, I do like the idea that people put a lot of thought into, um, that the, um, you know, I mean, eventually like human sacrifice, like we started building wicker men and shit like that. Like that's pretty yeah, cool. That's, we should get back to it. I mean, I think it's pretty cool. It's pretty sick. It, it should be said that, um, <laughs> The the people bringing this up, uh, you know, mostly white supremacists, obviously, yeah. um, as like this own against the Aztecs and trying to frame the Spanish as like a civilizing force. Um, at the same time that this is happening, the Spanish Inquisition is happening, um, which is, you know, torturing and, and killing people um, for, I would argue, way worse reasons. Um and yeah, but those people were Jewish, so it was <laughs> like <laughs> a lot of them were. You know what's interesting? I I've been reading a lot about uh, Inquisition practices for university shit, and um, they kind of they they put everyone down as Jewish. Like a lot of mm -hmm. things count as being Jewish, uh, even ones that um, indicate the person was probably Muslim. Yeah. A lot of Muslims are put down as Jewish. Um, I think a lot of Protestants. Are put down as Jewish, which is really weird. Oh, it like the the humor emerges uh, back in history's like most horrible moments um, when people are like, "Yeah, you're this kind of Jewish guy," and then there's like the there's the kind of there's this like you know there's like yeah okay yeah Christian Jew you're like a, <laughs> you're like a Middle Eastern Jewish guy. There are there are actual Middle Eastern Jews, and then there are the other kinds, and just they don't have. It's funny. No one's ever had a critical thought across of all of history. Everything's just like <laughs> different types of Jewish that I don't like. It's, 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 it's so funny. 
Absolutely. Everyone who was like Abrahamic but not Catholic, they're just like, that's Judaism. Yep. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> what is this? Like <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, my 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 epic hot take um is is that uh the sacrifices in Aztec rituals um were believed to go to the highest afterlife, the same that warriors go to. Um and a lot of their sacrifices were captured warriors. Um whereas People killed by the Inquisition were generally assumed to be going to hell. So I think that makes one morally worse than the other. That's my position. Like by a lot. Yeah, it's not um a defense it's not much of a defensible position. Um what is human sacrifice? Are we not through the soft violence of empire sacrificing humans every day? I it's, Folks. it's funny. We we managed to get 20 minutes into this conversation and I didn't even think about the fact that I kind of have a chapter in my book about this. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> kind of um about the abstract violence of of mining accidents um and imagining it as this more sort of like supernatural occurrence much in the way that human sacrifice played in this like um was this sort of like violence representing this medium between uh transcendence and uh you know human phenomena or whatever which is super yeah. common in religion and just in general we're always like humans are constantly media there's a reason why like psychoanalysts wrote about us because we're constantly mediating violence and drives toward violence and tendencies toward violent expression um and it's the way that but like but, you know thinking about the um reconceptualizing violence and thinking about it in sort of in these sort of like hard and soft um manifestations really is just like we're just too, like we live in like we produce death on an industrial scale at this point it's no longer we don't it's not mediated by divinity in the same way that it used to it is divine but it's a different kind of god it's the you know machine god of capitalism like not to be like too fucking on the nose with it, but it's just true. That's the God. Of, that's, that's the God of the present in our profoundly theological moment. We can make human sacrifice all the time. We just do it on an industrial scale. Um, I'm into that. Yeah. It's a, it ain't that different. The use of mining accidents, I think is interesting as well, because there's such a through line in a lot of um, mythologies i guess cosmological worldviews mm -hmm. whatever of caves as this sort of entry into the underworld yeah um that feels like the perfect place for industrialized human sacrifice and, and also positing this idea of darkness as a um potentially revelatory um experience um in this like in like in, in like sort of like our con our our um conviction Convictions considering the horror of the present, yeah, manifest phenomena as such that's you know sort of like vibrant and useful despite its like abject horror. Um, on, like basically, you sacrificing human beings to power industrial capitalism, which is what happens in mining. Um, like Black Long is getting like press in a way that like it. Over the past like 30 years or so, people have been talking about black lung finally, but like it's just the tip of the iceberg. I read a story um, about a miner, miners who were standing on top of a large coal pile. So, uh, 
large coal piles are really, really fucking risky. You can't really, you, you, you can't stand on top of them. If you stand on top of them, there, there's always like shifting and moving ground and air beneath you. So what they can do, they would build, they would have these giant coal piles and they would be either working atop them or walking across them or something. And then things would shift and then workers would literally get sucked into them. And you don't, you don't get crushed. You suffocate. So they're standing on top of a coal pile. Um, and all of a sudden a hole opens up beneath you and literally swallows you and kills you. Like if that's not like the monstrosity of our present, like I, like there's one where they were hoisting a cable car. This is just giving away stuff that's, it's like everyone's going to forget by the time this book comes out. Uh, um, August, 2024, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, there was another story where these uh, miners were hoisting a car. You basically have to like, they didn't have motorized cars at the time, or even if they did, they, no one was using them. Uh, they, you basically had to hoist the car up a rope. So uh, workers would pull on one end and push on the other um, in order to be able to get things down in the mine shafts. And what happens sometimes is that your pulley mechanism malfunctions and the thing just comes careening towards people and it just it just kills them it just crushes them it runs them over like it brutalizes and destroys their bodies and if that doesn't kill you then the black lung gets you and it kills men in their 50s women too of course um and if that doesn't get you then you'll get hit by a car um uh on a picket line um, and if you can't use that to save you, then they'll go to, and they'll perform a court injunction that'll force you to go back to work. Um, you, it is human sacrifice. It's ritualistic. It's monstrosity. It is human sacrifice for the sake of power, you know, lowercase p, like actual, like, like for the sake of electricity, like, yeah, you know, when, you know, other ways of producing power exists, you know, I'm not like, you know, it's complicated when it comes to mining, you know. It's it's a it's a way that people make their living um, in places where there's no fucking jobs and the environment has been destroyed by things like mountaintop removal and whatever. But like, I, at the same time, there's like, it's like no, you have to die um, for our dishwasher. <laughs> like you, like you have to die for my dishwasher. I'm sorry. Like hydropower and nuclear aren't good enough. Um, I need my hair dryer needs to work. I don't know. It's just, reading that shit's fucking depressing. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, of course. And it's also a great example of something that I think we've been practicing at least since the Enlightenment, um, where the violence of of empire, the violence of the core of power, um, you know, on whatever scale that may be, is always obfuscated. Yeah. Um, whereas the violence of the other is always made into this strange alien thing. You know, mm-hmm. a great example would be like violence in say the Soviet Union, um, quite a lot of it is the sort of thing that was practiced in, in Western nations to different degrees, but one always gets justified away in a race, whereas the other becomes this like, you know, fundamental um, Slavic communist evil due to their skull shapes and, and Marxist ideas. Right. Um, and it's the same with human sacrifice. It's the same with, uh, I, I would say, the ways that patriarchy manifests in other parts of the world, particularly the Islamic world, um, we're able to um, make it into this exotic, unrecognizable thing 
um, with rhetoric when it, it reflects so much of how women are treated uh, anywhere else, really. So, I think it was pointed out perfectly by um, a YouTubist um, called K and Skittles in a video that I think... Don't know them. I, <laughs> um, I mean, your most recent video, so like, like we should just talk like because incarceration is obviously like one of the like the sort of like defining characteristics of at least i mean i mean i live in the united states it's one of the defining characteristics yeah. of the u.s but as well as the u.s as a british colony and australia and all over the rest throughout the british empire and you recently made a video about solitary confinement but talked about used used this sort of like breadth of historical analysis to um, the, this sort of like, you know, trans historical examination of incarceration, um, to talk about, um, solitary confinement as a form of torture. Um, mm -hmm. and you should tell people about making that and how it relates to everything that we just talked about. Cause I think it does a lot. It's a good video. Very, very good video, by the way. Well, thank you. Uh, I think people should go watch, watch the fucking video and then make your friends make your family make your work colleagues um use violence if you need to yeah um, put it on a projector don't. and uh broadcast it on the side of a building at your university um and hand it out like a like a biblical tract the prison system is an operation of othering uh, of, of crime, of, of turning crime and the criminal into a different life form, a different species of being in the mind of the supposedly non-criminal uh, public, right? Um, and, and that's, I mean, that's a process that's got a legacy that goes back centuries. Uh, probably most obviously in, like, the Victorian era, you see the papers start talking about the criminal class and, like, London's underworld of you know they start talking about like a parallel society um and that rhetoric never really goes away right and so um something i talk about in my video is how the image of the criminal is used to kind of bolster public support for just incredible uh violence uh torture slavery in in the prison system um and that even though on paper, so I, I talk a lot about how survey data doesn't always tell you as much as, as we might like to think it does because yes. people don't really work like that. Um, so, you know, if you ask people pretty sort of decontextualized questions, they will generally favor a pretty rehabilitative justice system. Um, but if you juice them a bit with rhetoric about like rapists and murderers, um, they 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 flip around on you pretty quick. Uh, if if you give them even a nugget of a reason to construct the prisoner, the hypothetical prisoner, as what they recognize as capital C criminal, they get a lot more punitive. They get a lot more um, willing to see horrible things happen to them because they they have a cultural image pre-constructed. That if they're able to slot someone into it, they're fucked. They're, they're already, you know, they've got a lifetime uh, of priming to dehumanize them. Yeah, it has this, like, I think the uh, talking about discourse within the context of criminality is so incredibly important and useful um, on the one hand because it helps us understand how these ideas 
themselves proliferate in the form of public spectacle and media scandal, um, often through the sort of like the, the reach of commercial space. There's an inherent like class characteristic to these antagonisms, the antagonisms between, you know, model society and criminality, um, and how that has always been used as a form of there's a, I'm, I'm dancing around this book that I love. I can't remember if it was here or on a different podcast where I was trying to remember the name of a book I read in graduate school that talked about late Victorian London and sexual danger. And I remembered it literally just now. It's by Judith Walkowitz and it's called City of Dreadful Delight. Um, it, it inherent, it examines a lot. It spends a lot of time talking about media narrative, um, as like around, um, uh, narrative of sexual danger, ex- tabloid expo- exposés around um, like uh, child sexual things, like child sexual violence, um, in this like uh, sort of like form of cultural criticism that um, really understands how, um, in this case, uh, the relationship between class anxiety and gender antagonism. Um, yeah. Uh, she it culminates in she talks about Jack the Ripper, basically. Um, that like there becomes this like on the one hand, um, addictive, um, like uh imagined landscape, um, of uh possibility and adventure in um the like in this idea of like an urban sexuality, but that is ultimately like driven by this fear, um this like imagined spectacle of fear um that's inherently that has inherent gendered and class characteristics um and that is just as you're saying and as you do i think very well in your video um uses like these like sort of like preconceived social phenomena as um defining and inherent inherent characteristics for a particular class of person um that turns into like incredible violence um, in the in in public and private execution um, in uh, like increased like extreme forms of incarceration and torture and what you get into in the heart of your video the practice of solitary confinement which has been around in one way or another uh, since the setting of that book that I just spent too long describing yeah. It has, and it's incredible how culturally prolific it is. Because a lot of awful shit that happens in prison, it feels like it doesn't really get talked about that much. Like, outside of, like, quite radical circles, I feel like you don't hear a lot about prison labor. Yeah. I feel like that's one of those things that happens so much, but kind of just, it's not discussed. But I feel like solitary confinement, it's in TV shows all the time. I feel like everyone kind of gets what it is. It's it's so culturally known. And that's why I found it such a fascinating topic because it's 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 horrific. There are a lot of I mean it's easy to say having withstood none of them, but there, hypothetically there's a lot of physical tortures I would rather um be subjected to than solitary. Uh it just seems in- incredibly horrifying and uh, you know I'm repeating stuff I say in the video, but it's, it doesn't, it does not fulfill any purpose 
in terms of making anyone a safer person or making them safer. Um, all it does is is fuck with people and, and hurt them for no real gain for anyone. Unless, of course, you know, the, the harm is part of the intention. And, and I touch on how it's used to coerce people into doing said prison slave labor, uh, often under threat of this torture. Um, and... It's it's just it's interesting to me how much this stuff is in plain sight, whereas a lot of the horrors of the state, a lot of when I think about like um, awful things that we do in other countries, for example, it's kind of it's easy to go most of your life not really hearing about it. But prison is so present because prisons are in our communities. We know people who are going to prison. Um, it's just right there. It's, it's it makes it all very strange and, and uncanny to me. It's hegemony. Um, it's it's like it's so ideologically like accepted as this um, like fundamental part of society. People don't remember, like, have no. There's no social memory, at least not in the United States. Which I, I always center my experiences far too much in the United States, but I don't travel much. <laughs> um, it we're far like it's far too. Um, like central and fundamental in people's worldview um and in their sort of like in, a, in 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 the sort of like composition of their consent to the social order in a gramscian sense that like to even question and, and some people questioning the idea of executing people is even like you know, like, well, well, shouldn't we execute, we should execute murderers is the, like, sort of, like, you know, the murderers and rapists, like, jump to, um, that papers over the fact that, first of all, most of the people who get <laughs> a lot, a lot of wrongful convictions in the, in, uh, uh, um, cases with the death penalty, I gotta say, first of all, um yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> same with solitary confinement too a lot of people who have who go through the and it just as we were talking about that's where the the blanket of criminality and the ideology um of the like incarceratory hegemon if you will that's where they come into play immediately is that even despite all of this seeing this like the invention in the, the, the prison itself, the, the non-invention of the prison, it's, it's in incarceration, it's perpetual presence and the lack of memory, um, of us, like of a social memory of its creation and its existence and its life rather than it's sort of like, it's always immediate. Um, we're always like immediately observing the prison. Wow. That's ironic. Um, like, but really like what, like culture reflects it back at us in this way as to constantly imagine it for us rather than allowing us to have this, um, sort of like actual perception of how incarceration came to be. Um, and then, so all of a sudden it becomes hard to even question the methods used incarceration in, in incarceration, like exactly prison labor, indebtedness in jail. Like you're not already like they, people talk about the the cliche of paying, paying your debt to society. It's like, Oh, it's not that simple. Like indebtedness, there's financial debt that comes involved with being incarcerated. Like, oh, yeah. like you pay the prison to incarcerate you basically. Mm -hmm. Like, and so like, you can't even question. It's like in the, like, it's like in the, the, the perception of the uh, change in execution methods, for example, 
the like you talk about it a little bit in your video, but like, we there's lots of stuff in the video that we're talking that uh, we haven't talked about here, so people still have to go watch it. Um, but the change in the means of execution as this like the this sort of like cultural memory of the innovation of execution methods, despite the fact that all this like quote unquote innovation um, in the way that we execute people like fucking doesn't work most of the time and it sucked like yeah. hangings for example everyone like hangings were invented because they were thought to be lethal but the opposite happened and then so they created this like i read about this horrible thing too they created the uh uh the the jerk up gallows um which is basically a gallows with a mechanism that's supposed to solve the problem of how people like don't die instantly but they just strangle to death as they're being hung Guess what? It didn't fucking work. So you're just inflicting more pain and torture while someone slowly, slowly dies. Um, yeah. But uh, but in our mind, like the 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 social evolution of the technology of death, like the there's the guy who like there's a whole big long sequence of jokes about it in an episode of Veep that I think is very dark and very funny about a there's a news item that's going throughout. This. She's trying to I think pick her vice presidential nominee when she's running for president for like the second time or whatever and throughout the whole story in the background of this episode there's this news story that's going on about a a guy who's being executed who who won't die because it's a botched execution right and they're just like is he dead yet is he not dead yet is he dead is he not um and it's played for humor because it's very honestly it's very funny uh, I inserted it into a terrible place in the conversation, but it's <laughs> it, it it made me think of that. That's because that's exactly what like we're just like oh, so we do lethal injection now. They they often don't work. Yeah, and so we and like and not even do they often not work. The state executes innocent people all the time, or people get like like people get sentenced to death and are found to be innocent. People get sentenced to life in prison and are found to be innocent all the fucking time. So to like. To even be unable to question that means like we're so that's why I say hegemony because we're so fucked in being able to question any of the stuff because you can't even question the methods by which we execute people. It's wild shit. It is. And like, yeah, I, I think in a an environment um, outside of that, that incredible fucking hegemonic presence of, of the assumed legitimacy and naturalization of, of this kind of state violence you know outside of that i think the second um an innocent person is executed that's conversation over yeah like that is that outweighs every possible benefit um and you know there aren't really any but you know even even yeah. giving as much credence to those arguments as you can they they pale in comparison uh the second that uh 14 year old george steiny i think his last name was was mm-hmm. executed in the like the 40s should have been the end of the conversation. There's yes. no, there's no conceivable way to proceed with that. Even the possibility, um, absolutely, I completely. Yeah, agree. it's 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 it should be a non-issue that is just doesn't even bear discussing. But instead, it's like, no, we're gonna keep doing this, and you're uh, you're an insane communoid if you even like inquire about it too much. <laughs> good video. It's a good. It's a good video. I gotta say that it's very, very cool. It's it's a topic that's hard to write about without um, going in fifty different directions at once because yeah, every there's lots of things I kind of mention 
um, that themselves allude to, you know, whole other videos that could happen, like um, how you have to pay for your own parole in a lot of places. And if you miss those payments, you get popped back in jail. Um, but there's another thing that I, I want to talk about sometime, you know, not right now, we should get to the game soon, but mm -hmm. um, appeals are designed to not work yeah. um, just on, on every level. Usually they'll put you before appeal boards if you're in jail in chains, in like your prison clothes, like you will be made to resemble a prisoner and therefore a criminal as much as possible. Um, and there are so many instances of people who are eventually exonerated. You'll notice when you hear stories of people who are wrongly convicted being exonerated, usually they're in prison for like decades. Yeah. It takes a long time. And if you really look into their stories, there will be points where evidence that ultimately exonerated them was put in front of appeal boards. They didn't look at it because it's just some guys in a room and then they tell you to go fuck yourself, come back in 10 years. And that is the system. And it's one of those things that is so politically impossible in our environment to change because it would be so easy for your opposition to be like, oh, they're trying to get criminals out of jail, out onto the streets. Mm -hmm. They're going to get you and your white children. Uh, buy more guns. And you, you can't you can't run it. It's it's we have an entire political media apparatus designed to keep everyone's parents and grandparents, especially uh, ready to fucking. You know, if, if a stranger shows up at the door, blow their fucking head off. That's been happening a weird amount lately. That You can't knock on your neighbor's door anymore without someone just shooting you. There was a there was the kid, a kid like who there's eight millions of these stories. But this is the one that like stood out to me the most. There, mm. The two happened like within two days of each other. A young black man who's 14, young black man. He's a child, he's like 14 yeah. years old, 15 years old was trying to pick up his brother from like a piano lesson or a music lesson and some fucking psycho shot him twice and then he ran around knocking on doors in the neighborhood and it took him like it took him minutes before someone helped him yeah uh and then that same day or the next day something like that there's a young white woman who was she and her friends were driving, trying to find someone's house, and they drove down the wrong driveway. Um, and you can't even get lost. They got, they got the first guy. He, you can't pick up your brother from a music lesson, um, and you can't get lost without getting shot. Yeah. And it's just like it's because it's it like it, it, people want to both oversimplify and overcomplicate, you know, every side of these types of stories. But what it really comes down to is that there is this like. There's this extreme, like, pressing discourse on a huge portion of people, particularly in the United States, that experience that I'm pulling from in this case, um, who see themselves as, like, judge, jury, and executioner, and who have been encouraged by every, like, media psycho around them reinforcing and, like, reaffirming their, like, already like held position of eternal anxiety about the encroachment of you know minority honestly my fucking minorities the encroachment of minorities um that they've become paranoid um and violent and uh oh also they have they're they're armed to the teeth <laughs> yeah i mean in a functioning society fucking you know stuff like fox news just wouldn't be allowed to exist it's no. 
it's a project in just turning people into dangers to themselves and others. Yep. Uh, just turning everyone's grandpa into a fucking, you know, homicidal little freak. Yep. Um, interestingly, um, that is a pivot into something that we're going to talk about maybe behind the paywall, which is, uh, you know, MILF watch 2023 is going to have to make a comeback, uh, cause succession has ended, but that's right. For the time being, uh, astute listeners might have noticed we're talking a lot about prisons. That's actually a theme that's going to be uh, developing over the next few episodes. We've got a series of prison episodes, of which this is the first. Uh, And in particular, we want to talk about a game called Presentable Liberty today. Can you give us a bit of background on this game? Absolutely. Uh, Presentable Liberty is the subtitle. Um, the game is uh, technically called Menagerie 2. Um, it's a sequel to Exoptable uh, uh, Money is the name of the first game. Um, and they're both designed by this uh, Austrian developer named uh, Vertpol. Um his name was Robert Brock before. Um, unfortunately, we'll just get this part out of the sort of like really tragic part out of the way is that uh, Robert Brock died in 2018. He took his own life in 2018. He was really young. He was a 22, something like that. Um, yeah, it's pretty terrible. I guess he had problems with depression. Um, and, you know, like, I, I don't know what else to say besides that. Like, his games are, his games are amazing. Um it's a, it's a, it's a shame that we lose people um in the way that we do um and it breaks breaks my heart and i'm i'm grateful that we have the games that we do from him a uh, presentable liberty in particular which is kind of a masterpiece of like psychological horror in my opinion it's a game about being trapped in a jail cell during a global pandemic <laughs> which is interesting uh it came out in 2014 not 2021 um (laughs) (laughs) so and lots of people if you if you look up stuff about presentable liberty like i'm sure plenty of you will um first of all you can go play it for free you can play it in a few hours um uh, it's a game that is part a collection of mini games part a like a pistol it it's it's epistolary meaning that the game is a narrative told through letters the first episode of menagerie menagerie one is actually the same uh, it's mostly communicated through uh, letters. And then I don't know. Uh, um, yeah, basically, you're trapped in a jail cell for almost basically 98% of the game. Um, and it's told day by day through your interaction with like, you know, um, you basically you, you have a sort of like a Game Boy ripoff. Um, and then you can uh, that you can play some mini games on. And then you're communicating with several characters throughout the uh few hours of throughout like through each one of these days a day is what probably f- five minutes something like that yeah um yeah basically you talk to there's several characters um there's a character named dr money um who uh is i don't know how much like i really want people to play this game um so i'm gonna yeah there's dr money there's mr smiley um there's uh someone named charlotte who uh exchanges letters with you and who talks about her you know fear of loneliness and horror 
um, that you bond with. You know, there, there's, there's a, there's a villain. There's a, that you learn about the origins of the viral outbreak. Um, what caused it? Um, you learn about the journey for some kind of a cure. Um, it's bleak and terrible, but it has a really amazing ending, um, that I'm super fond of. Um, and it's probably the most interesting. There's a lot of, like, we're going to talk about some, like, I think very successful games. Um, we've already exchanged, like, some of the titles that we've talked about that we want to discuss, I think, are stuff that, like, everything from independent titles to larger titles that are yeah. very, very successful in, in, like, have, in doing interesting reflections on this apparatus that we kind of introduced at the beginning of this, the incarceratory hegemon that we kind of introduced in the beginning of this episode. And I think Kay's video also really usefully introduces to this kind of idea, the cultural expression of this for, of this manifestation of hegemony. Um, and I think presentable Liberty is the, like by far the best way to start it. Um, because it's, it's something that I think need, really needs to be experienced. Um, because it's so, I don't know. What, what did you think? What did you think of it? Okay. I, I don't even know your thoughts on it yet. It's just kind of cool. <laughs> um, there is a single idea in that game that stands out to me more than any other, which is the notion that it presents of you needing to be performing a certain emotion while in prison. You have to be happy. Yeah. You have to be upbeat. You can't be a bummer, even though you are locked in a tiny cell that you don't get to leave. Um, you know, you are in solitary confinement. Uh, there's no rest of the prison that you go to at all. You're in a room for, like you said, most of the game. Um, it, you know, it's it's not the same as being in prison, obviously. Although, you know, heated Foucault moment incoming. Uh, but it reminds me a lot of work. It reminds <laughs> me a lot of the constant level of emotion, actual emotional labor, not having to be nice to your friends, um, <laughs> uh, of having to, you know, it's not enough that your time is being taken from you. It's not enough that you're being treated like shit by your boss, that you're underpaid, that you can't fucking, you know, you lose your whole day to this place and you can't afford all, all the necessities you need. You also have to like have a smile on your fucking face the whole time. And it's like a big problem if you don't. And, I think it does a great job of taking that very familiar feeling that I think most people probably have some experience of and then planting it into this alien to a lot of people, but not enough people environment of prison uh, and just presenting the idea like, what if you also had to do this here? What if being fucking locked up for years of your life, you don't even get reprieve from this? Like, that's good horror. And the game, the game is exercising that criticality that you're describing. We're not just like doing a, a, a critique of the of sort of like culture expressed through the game. The game has a character called Mister Smiley, which is your mm -hmm. assigned quote happy buddy. Um, which basically he his job, as you know, through like coercion and threats of violence, is to you have to be happy. Um, yeah. and if you're not, it affects other people. That's exactly what, um, 
that's a big part of like, okay, so you're exactly right about emotional labor too. It's not about being nice to people. It's a term that has meaning and it was created by Arlie Hochschild in a book called The Managed Heart that is about the use of, um, uh, the subtitle of the book is what the commercialization of human feeling. Yeah. Um, in the way that it's exercised, particularly within the context of work. Um, it's, it's very true. It's pretty remarkable how presentable Liberty comments on this, considering the circumstances and that you have to like the way that you're forced to make do, um, as a, as like a way of coping with the like clearly insurmountable, uh, uh, circumstances that you found yourself in. Um, like all you can do is just kind of, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. All you can do is just kind of game. You can game. <laughs> That's what you can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your happy buddy, um, gives you little or smile buddy or whatever gives you, um, shitty little, uh, games you can play on your game boy. <laughs> and I feel like they kind of deteriorate as uh-huh. things go. Um, the last one is just not anything. It's oh, a crank. My, I love it. I it's love just, it. It's just a crank. I, I want to, pl- I want, I wish I made that game. I'm going to make it, I'm going to make a version of that game, put it on steam. It's just the crank. It's just a crank. You just crank it and it counts. <laughs> Actually, if you, if you look at the top sellers at any given time, there's a lot of cranking games on steam. <laughs> Hey, hey, I wa- I right. saw I saw the door. It ha- it had the it was labeled as such, and I walked right into it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like a uh, uh, presentable liberty also has some like elements of choice too, so you can play it a few times. No, I don't want to. Usually, I, I'm all about spoilers. Normally, um, I'm all about it, but I think I may just try and comment more <laughs> on the game because I uh, okay. Through this kind of like, I won't say how you do it, but through this sort of like series of like, you're able to eventually find your way into like the hallway of your jail cell. And what's really interesting is that it kind of seems like you're just in an apartment building. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure what to make of that. It turns out you, it turns out you're really, really high in the air as well, which is, yeah. I think, I think really fascinating. Um, you're, you're at the very least, my interpretation of it was like you, on the one hand, this imprisonment is like it, it's necessarily discursive um, in this in the sense of the sort of like social reinforcement of it, like in the sense of an incarceration society, the incarceratory hegemon. Today's episode was brought to you by the phrase incarceratory hegemon. Um, <laughs> but it's true. Uh, it, there is in that case, but I think particularly in the case of this game, it's how that manifests um in individual people um and the way that they uh, are like cope and and deal with the like i mean there's this there's also the possibility that like the whole the whole ending of the game is like ambiguous and like sort of like hopeless enough to where it's easy to imagine that it like didn't even happen at the end of the game you discover that like you're able to use part of your cell to you once you're able to get out you're able to use part of your cell to activate an elevator and go to the bottom which was a really like powerful experience going from like what feels like an impossible height to like as it tur- as it turns out like you know your cell itself is the elevator you're able to install a button 
and then you descend in this like almost like hellish sense like which is funny because you're you know you've just unlocked your escape but it it feels like the, your rapid descent is really like a really kind of like interesting and horrifying experience um and then you go and you encounter you go and really basically have the final encounter of the game and i won't you know reveal that but like it, it's interesting how you're kind of like presentable liberty like you know you can kind of tell from the beginning i don't think this game has any i'm, I'm like there's no hope at the end of this game like i found the the being in an elevator thing so interesting because you can see like the the broken wires sticking out of the wall where the panel mm-hmm. should go for the whole game yeah and you spend the whole time sitting in one room with not much in it so you spend a lot of time looking at that and thinking what what is that yeah what could that possibly be for um and I mean, yeah, the game's like an hour or two, and you kind of start going stir crazy in that room a bit, especially with all the drama that's happening outside, all the intense events that you're just kind of getting via letters. Uh, and it invites you to think about how psychically damaging it would be to be like in that environment for months, years. Yeah, and I, and I, I know how it has been. I think for like this game came up a lot again during COVID. Which I think, I think actually, I think it's pretty like is, you know, pretty on the nose, but at the same time, and yeah. I, I, it is a little, it, sure, it is a little spooky. Um, <laughs> it's not the only, it's not the only cultural text that did that, that like was able, like anticipated, you know, people's feelings of isolation considering some kind of a global pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. and it's not to, you know, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have any problem like placing the sort of like ex- people's experiences of isolation and conversation with the most extreme manifestations of that, which is like a state mandated version of it. Not to say uh-huh. that like, you know, COVID lockdowns or I'm not, I'm not like a duct tape over the mouth at the state capital COVID lockdown guy. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm, I'm saying purely about the experience of the, of isolation, um, on humans. And how it like how it really hurts like how people really suffered a lot. I mean, I know I did um, within the context of lockdown and how like like the inability to do anything about um, a sort of like a, a rampaging pandemic. Um, yeah. The, the the weird fucking shit that people did um, when faced with. Uh, the an insurmountable global pandemic while being stuck inside of their apartments um having to do like performant like ha- having to do like happy dances on zoom with their co-workers to like oh everything's God. good and we are all fine and then walking outside and banging on pots and pans for healthcare workers who are coming home after having watched a hundred people die or whatever. Like I'm exaggerating, but like it's still like it, it fucked people in the head a little bit. Um, Oh, people have never been the same. Yeah. People have not recovered. Like people are, people have always been weird in general, mm-hmm. but people are fucking weird now and it's not going away. No, I think all this stuff that we were, I think it's part of, <laughs> can you imagine all the, bringing it back full circle all the weird wacky shit that we talked about at the beginning of this episode um mm. you think that's not going to get exacerbated by people being just stuck on the computer all the time oh no it definitely yeah. is people are going to get worse 
I feel like it was already paper thin, but the last remaining barrier between the online world and the physical world as well got totally yeah. swept away at that time. Everyone is too online now. Everyone has Twitter brain or, you know, depending on their age, perhaps they have TikTok brain or Facebook brain, which is that's one of the more lead poisoned of the types of brain to have. Um, and I don't know that. I, I would hope that it, it would translate to some degree of, of concern, maybe, for the fact that um, our justice system mostly revolves around doing that to people. Um, and it, no. It's about becoming the justice system. It's about becoming yeah. more paranoid and fucking crazier. It's about being a tattletale. It's about being... Con every woman that is my mother's age, every white woman that my mother's age, is terrified of getting snatched at the grocery store because of fucking Facebook and TikTok. There's these yeah. people on the internet who are just like... Were you followed by like, they're posting these big long stories about how they're terrified of these encounters when like, most of the time it's like, that it was like, oh, this was a homeless person or yeah. you, it was a coincidence, like a coincidence. Like you see someone, like I saw someone was following me. It's just like, I don't want to think about the terrifying idea that they were following you. I'm sure that that happens and it's, it's rare, but it's horrifying. It's like, but what are the chances that you saw someone multiple times in one day and that was what what if it was a coincidence well like it probably was but like everyone is so paranoid by like the people snatchers on facebook that like it's like i see the way that they like the people like I'll, i just go home and when i go home and i talk to all my parents friends and everyone like i hear the way that they talk about them. they are everyone is more paranoid constantly getting more paranoid it's not yeah it's 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 just like everyone's just like well i just have to be i have to become a cop that's the solution it's like hegemony ideology <laughs> it's really powerful and like it's like oh my god this is so horrible and all of this stuff was so bad and difficult for people to deal with well i better just go insane instead and you know shoot anyone who drives onto my property like what the f you can't you can't you can't knock on the wrong door you can't drive down the wrong driveway you like you can't without it's just absurd and terrifying like yeah the instructions were very clearly to kill the cop in your head but they got confused and they're killing everyone outside of their head to <laughs> protect the cop in so that's good um yeah i don't know i don't know what to say listener if you see yourself uh engaging in that kind of behavior maybe uh stop it maybe be normal uh, you're not the protagonist. The odds of these things happening to you are infinitesimally small. Uh, most people are never touched by crime like that in any way. Uh, and the odds are pretty good you won't be either. Relax. Have a crisp Mountain Dew. Sponsor the pod. Mm. Yeah. Have a... Uh, um... First 100 listeners will be sent a crate of... <laughs> Um, 5,000 cans of Code Red. <laughs> just a, pr a prank amount of Mountain Dew. Uh, It'll just be dumped on your fucking lawn. Please stop sending this. I can't, I don't have any place to put it. My neighbors are complaining. It's, a, it's become an environmental crisis. That would be really funny. Too much uh, of a good thing. Had, it's an art project. If we had the resources to do it. Yeah. Oh my it's God. Art. That's, yeah. 
the, the new yeah. the new agab art project is called too much of a good thing and it's when we give you too much of a good thing and see what happens yeah we're we're gonna we're gonna have to go behind the paywall pretty soon here and i was gonna mm-hmm. say you should give us money but not too much or we will start doing shit like that <laughs> Um, so, you know, use, use your discretion. <laughs> That's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, well, before we go, do you have any, any sort of final thoughts on the game? I, I love this game. Um, it's, it's, uh, if there's, if, if you can, um, uh, if you can imagine why this was easily the most depressing episode of Agab of all of them easily or whatever, that's, that is um, the context um, around and inside of this game, but it is so worth playing and it will not ruin your day. It will, it really made me think a lot about stuff that I've thought about for a really long time. And yeah, it's, it's free. I don't know where the money, I don't know. Yeah, that's what, that's what I think about it. I don't know where the money goes uh, for the pay what you want for Menagerie one and two. Um, but I gave, you know, I think I gave like a couple bucks just because I don't know, I don't know where the money goes, but I'm just having some faith that it's, you know, going to a place where it would be where WordPole would want it to go. Maybe there's a family member or something like that. It may just be going to fucking with a fucking uh, game vault or whatever. So maybe don't do that. But that was just my, um, I probably all went to the fucking corporation, but that's how I felt about like encountering this game and playing it was like when I did end up downloading it and buying it, um, I was compelled to like, I hope that the creator's family or somebody who was in his life, um, can know how good it is. Um, and how interesting and thought provoking and like, like how I'm gonna, uh, talk to a lot of people about this thing. I'm really grateful for it. I think that's, I I think it's a shame that we lose, like, I, I I've lost people too. It's a shame that we lose people. Um, and you know, having something like this is, um, uh, it's a big deal. I don't know. That's it. Yeah. It's, um, there is a, um, a worldview. There's a sort of kinship that I always kind of feel with other depressed people that I find in the way they complain basically. <laughs> uh, and this game just reeks of that to me. Just the, the focus on like the bizarre emotional performance you always have to do the, the focus on, on isolation, uh, even when you are interacting, uh, you know, you are communicating, um, with others, you're still in a state of isolation. Um, it's always good to really relate to someone on that level and be like, Oh, they killed themselves. Okay. All right. (laughs) That's fine. This is fine. (laughs) But, um, no, no, it is, it is awful. And, um, I am glad that this game remains as something that people can uh, experience and be touched by these things that clearly mattered to this person as well. Uh, and they should matter to all of us because you will fear you will, you will feel rather a pang of familiarity uh, that should concern you deeply. I think um, at, at certain, certain moments in this game, certain ideas in this game. Yeah. And that, is all there is to say about that. Where can they find you, Kyle? Uh, labor, Kyle. Uh, go to uh, Zero Books. Um, yeah, they, go find me there. You can, uh, zero Zero Books and Repeater Media on YouTube. There's uh, some interviews I think people should. 
in the horror vanguard podcast um by the time this comes out i believe are or soon the pride episode for the month um which features myself um john levitt and jay from the library punk podcast uh talking about yeah talking about a movie called poltergay a 2006 (laughs) french horror comedy about gay ghosts it's gay disco ghosts excuse me okay first of all all ghosts are gay yeah true yeah um it's a movie that poses the idea that um there are there are two sexual orientations gay and fascist that's true um it's amazing it's amazing it's one of the best movies i've watched in a long time it was so uh yeah yeah horror vanguard i'm there and i'm also on a bonus episode talking about herschel gordon lewis's box set um and the movie wizard of gore if you like horror vanguard which i hope many of you do they're you know you know you know you know them if you listen to this show (laughs) you better if you don't go listen to horror vanguard what are you doing all right uh you can find me on twitter k and skittles you'll find me there i'm posting um you can find me on youtube at k and skittles and um watch my videos about prison um the next one's probably going to be about some video games uh, which is a type of prison. That's my view. <laughs> and if you want more uh, of this, uh, perhaps even a slightly less depressing segment, um, it's behind the paywall. Go to uh, go to go to patreon.com slash uh, what is it? A gab pod. A gab pod. Yeah. Patreon.com slash a pod. It's just like our Twitter, which is also that. Go there. And for a small installment of several US dollars, uh, you get more. You get more of this. Every time there's an episode, you go on there, there's fucking more of it. You can't escape us. I'm in your house now. I'm eating your food. I'm in your little pantry. Uh, I've created a little space below your floorboards, and I'm doing stuff down there, okay? I'm making sound effects. Making sound effects, yeah. That's that's K scurrying around your apartment. I like to scurry. I learned from the best. Skittles that's is right. kind of the president of Scurryville. Uh, she really that's is. what I'm up to. And uh that's it. Goodbye. All gamers are bastards. Ah, ravioli. Ah, mamma mia.